time. You save that. Let's get weird together, Phipps, and give it to me just in case. <laughs> <laughs>
graduates of Disciples Made experiences. Who are they and how did all that happen? How did we end up meeting each other? So it was a funny way that we met because uh, two of your board members happened to be my clients. Um, <laughs> and they happened uh, one right after each other. Um, they're both wonderfully opinionated um, and they had an opinion about DM. And so uh, they thought that we should meet much like networking happens in the business world. Um, and that's where it all began. Yeah, I remember them saying, you, Phipps, you gotta meet Cooper. And uh, I was like, well, if both of you think that, then I probably ought to go meet this guy. And I left there thinking, I would like to hang out with that guy more. So you graciously said, I'm willing to walk with you. Uh, I had just stepped out of the local church and started to build Disciples Made as a young ministry, 501c3. You're a business expert. I'm a business newbie, as they'd call it. And you said, I'm, I'm willing to meet with you every other month. What made you make that decision to invest in this new fresh guy, this preacher guy? The hardest thing to do is transition from something you used to do to something you want to go do. Hmm. So there is a lot of remaking of career and uh, what I want to be when I grow up. And in you, the fire and passion and uh, vision was there. Um, so the how to do it part's actually not hard. Uh, and so how do you smash those two things together? So uh, one of the things that tugs at me is transition. Uh, I've done it more times than I want to, and it's just hard. Mm. It's so hard. Um, and so that, that was the impetus of it. And of course, you had a couple of good referrals. So yeah. I'll let it slide. I like it. And I'm grateful because it's highly shaped um, how I do things. And I'm grateful. So we do that for a, a time. And then I start bugging you about Cooper. I kind of want to give back to you, too. You kind of have this sense of there's a next step for you, not necessarily professionally, but spiritually that maybe professionally, because we don't like to put walls between those two words kept inviting you to join a leaders made group and what did that invitation feel like the first time and then how was that different from the second time until you finally said yeah i think i might be a part of that what was that whole process like so it was similar for the first three times and a bit d different for the next two times so thank you for <laughs> all five invitations i i enjoy your perseverance in that uh the first time it was about time. Hmm. Uh, time is our most precious resource. We're all running around crazy. You must prioritize less but better. Hmm. Uh, gracious knows. And that's what that was. It was not the right time right? Uh, or the right place. And I think um, with each successive ask, um, I got in a rhythm of saying no graciously. And so it wasn't until um, we're in this wonderful pandemic thing and uh, it went to Zoom. And of course I'm thinking, who needs another Zoom in their mm. life? Like if I could add one more Zoom meeting to my day, this would be fantastic. And yet it was going to be the only opportunity for how my life works to jump in. Um, so that was one, time is, is that, that biggest thing. But two is um, what it would give to me. As someone who leads mastermind teams and um, uh, where does the coach go to get coached where does the coach go to um, unload uh, so I listen to a lot of challenges uh, walk alongside people where does that person go so I was looking for my own community um, to do that as well so time and then um, what I was looking for in my life of course it just 
made sense. So I said yes. And I, I love it. So every time I would meet with you, Dan, and ask you questions about things that I was learning, you wouldn't just answer questions. You would create entire file folders for future thoughts to find their way into. You just have a mastery of these things in a way that I couldn't even comprehend having. And so I, I want to say that not to just fluff you up here a little bit, but to just kind of say, all right, there, everybody that's on this podcast probably has those kind of people that they look to and say they could never gain anything from me. And I'm imagining as a pastor, a church leader for 25, 30 years, I'm wondering what this dividing wall, this false wall is between church leaders and marketplace leaders. And I'm wondering if there isn't a part of a pastor's life that says, I'm kind of afraid of how smart they are. I don't know that I could ever bring any value to them. And I remember thinking, right, this guy's that brilliant. Why in the world would he ever say yes to something that I was offering? So curious, what off, what kind of value did you perceive you might get from this experience early on, uh, what, and then compare it to kind of what value are you getting out of being a part of this leaders made group? Are you receiving that you didn't expect to receive? Just curious. Hmm. In our time together, I started seeing parallels between disciple making, uh, and what I did for a living. Uh, I'm in a relationship business. It's all people. It's all connection. Guess what? So it's disciple making. Hmm. It's intentional time uh, with people on purpose uh, to head somewhere. And uh, patience is key. Hmm. Um, this is, it is extremely inefficient. And yet that's what makes it so beautiful. And so discipleship, uh, much like uh, any relational process in business, uh, has a lot in common. Um, it just has a lot less uh, stained glass words, uh, mm. business, very plain glass, uh, and discipleship very feels very stained glass. And yet if you take away some of the words, it's really the same thing. Mm. So that would be, that would be one. Um, the other is this whole learn apply thing that, uh, what's the point of learning something if you don't apply it? So mm. we all crush podcasts. Congratulations. You're listening to something. What are you going to do with this at the end? Right. Um, so how do you apply it? And so I wanted to, okay, understand the model that is discipleship. Uh, there's business models, mental models, sales models, management models, leadership models. Great. What's the discipleship models? And then how can I take several of those and maybe make a model baby or an idea mm. baby, this idea from here and this idea from there. Yeah. And, uh, out comes a new one. Hmm. So what are you finding as some of the biggest, uh, takeaways just personally as being a part of this group? Uh, more like personal uh, transformation than kind of uh, innovation to come out of it? Or have there been any? Doesn't everyone like accountability? <laughs> you know what I like more than anyone else? I like to be held amazingly accountable. Um, I think all of us are running away from accountability. Uh, there's so many things that are grabbing at our attention and yet to have people around you that are doing the same thing, accountable to the same thing that you are, um, that you're going to stare at on a weekly basis is immeasurable because you get better by just showing up. There's not many things that happen by osmosis. Hmm. Um, but this is one of those things just by being in the room, you're like, Oh, okay. 
this is how this is going to go. And it's funny, I'm on the other side of the table so much that um, I see it all the time, but it, it doesn't happen to me very often. Uh, so when it happens to me, there's like this uh, giant parts of my brain that then explode and expand and, and can go on and, and do better things. So I think accountability uh, is one. Uh, and then just the framework that you do it in. It's a lot of content. Um, I called it a fire hose in the beginning. And I, I say that as, as people are on the other end saying, why would I want to join a fire hose? It's beautiful in how it's constructed because it's on purpose and with intention. And it took me about two weeks to figure out that there was a method to the madness and that I should just let it unfold to trust mm. the process. And so, um, of course, you're going to learn from everybody else around the room. You're going to hear things um, that are going on in your life. And whether you talk or not, uh, you're going to be, get better. I love it. I love it. So are there any ways, like going back to that model answer that you had earlier, are there any ways that you see how you might modify how you do business or how you lead your mastermind experiences based upon this experience? Maybe too early to tell. Well, let's let's go back to the first one, accountability. I mean, there's an element of that in our teams that we bring today. Um, when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one executive coaching, you have to decide how much you're going to press in, how much you're going to press on. And I think what I learned is that more accountability is better than less accountability. Um, in business, there's pretty much uh, the numbers and you, know, you either did it or you didn't. And yet there's all these politics and emotions where people just ignore stuff um, and everybody wants to give tra uh, grace um, and not as much truth. So hmm. how do we flip that and give a lot of truth with grace, but uh, we need more hard conversations hmm. um, in our business and we can do it well. Uh, and people are just lax at doing that. So I think that that was just a great reminder um it's been a good chief reminding officer for me for some of those chief things reminding officer. yeah i stole that from lencioni i wish i was that smart that's good i like that patrick lencioni the the second thing i think i'm really learning is how do you integrate your faith uh without being a weirdo hmm. um i call it being weird uh, you ever have those moments um, in your life where all of a sudden you're touched by God or the Holy Spirit or the hair on the back of your neck stands up or there's a moment or whatever stained glass ease you want to use for it. And in the workplace, that's weird. So <laughs> how, how do you, in a very natural, non-weird way, uh, do you learn how to talk to people about your faith? And yes, it's the always be living your faith, sometimes use words. Yeah, well, when you get to the words part, uh, how does that sound and mm. what do you do? And so I think just hearing how other people do it and, and the wins and losses, uh, to learn actually what are the words that come out of your mouth and how and when and how fast and how much or how not at all, uh, when do you serve and when do you talk? That, that has been, uh, that's been key. Wow. That's been a repeating theme in our conversations. This is weird. And I interpreted weird early on to mean this is not exactly as it should be. But the longer I hear you say it, and then the more conversations 
through which you end up saying it. It's like, this is weird means, no, this is actually more like it should be. I just don't know really what to do with it yet. Is that fair? (laughs) Yeah, everybody interprets. um, I I love how different people uh, hear, feel, and uh, see the spirit. And so that's the word I've landed on uh, because it touches everybody differently. Um, But yet there's this, this is one of those lines in between ministry and work, which is how do we talk about it in a way that like, yes, I've had a feeling and or a nudge in a certain direction, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, you know, where does prudence take over? Mm. Where does, uh, you know, our, our mind take over? Where do the people around us take over versus, uh, I think God said this to me and we should go that way. Yeah. Well, um, mm. perhaps you shouldn't wait for that loan in that method, uh, cause you still need to go out and do the work. So I think there's a lot of um, things to unpack and pull apart from those two spaces and able mm. to, in order to be able to do it together. That's interesting. And we are kind of trained. We as pastors are kind of trained to be the ones to go get that word, come back and bring it to everybody. So I'm wondering if that's potentially one of those things. What I've experienced in our groups is actually the less I talk and the more we do have a real group think we are all listening to the spirit. We all are making those applications and we all are responding to deep questions and we're waiting and expecting everyone to talk much like you do in your mastermind experiences that I have now signed up for and am having to trust your process, which is an awful lot of fun. Um, there's an assumption that you probably had based upon my profession of how list open I would be to listening and applying the things that you would share. And there's the assumption based upon role, assumption based upon reputation. Then there's an assumption based upon first impression. And then there's an assumption after six, 12, nine, 18, 24 months. Is that all making sense so far? Yes. How has that evolved from pre-reputation to just what I did as a living all the way to current how has that evolved over time and and here's the second part of the question how has it influenced your desire to invest more or less so i didn't know you on the ministry side beforehand so i think i got lucky in a way that i only saw the businessman with the ministry background you gotcha. were you were business to begin with when I met you and that's a different, um, that's true. That's a different harder style than I'm in a ministry trying to, you know, doing whatever that might be. So, um, unfortunately I think you are who I normally talk to. Therefore that's why I didn't go over to, um, my ministry filters, uh, which I have some, um, on how you talk to leaders within ministry and, and expectations and, and one of those. Um, I know how it normally goes uh, if, if you're open to that. Uh, I think that's really pertinent to the conversation if you're willing to go there. One of our values on the podcast is we like to walk into hard conversations. We just like to be kind about it in the process, being real. Yeah, so it always depends on the relationship. 
deeper relationship, um, more open. When you don't have a deep relationship, you shepherd 700 different people. You know three of the business guys, and that relationship is really tight. Um, for those of us that might be outside on the periphery, what we find is um, the, the message is the most important thing. Sunday, the, the show is the most important thing. Um, and then it's the money ask. And then um, perhaps we might talk about how we're going to uh, lead uh, within our church. Um, the amount of talent you have sitting in your pews or in your stadium or whatever it is, is unbelievable. Um, so figuring out how to tap that in a way that's meaningful, I think, is key. Um, so we mentioned Patrick Lencioni. Let's go there again. Uh, the ideal team player states that three key attributes to be a team player, humble, hungry, and smart. And if you look at lead pastors and sometimes executive pastors, um, there's a big miss on the humble part. Hmm. And that's the biggest stop for me. So when a lack of humility, you can't learn. Um, a lack of humility, you can't um, be coachable. Um, and so uh, you got where you are because you're smart um, and you are hungry because uh, you want to feed people. So um, anyway, that I, I have baggage there. I'll admit that. I've walked into some uh, things that are, are there. And so I no longer engage um, with what's on stage. I engage outside the four walls. It's real important for some of our listeners to hear it. It's probably extraordinarily challenging. They're probably, if they if they are still listening, they may have come close to hitting like uh, stop and let's go to another podcast or something like that. But let's let's dig a little bit deeper in there, and then we'll start to wrap this thing up. What would you, like, there's two questions that are on my mind. The first one is this, what elements of their behaviors, what behaviors of theirs lead you to that conclusion? And second, if they were to come to you and say, what could I do differently for you to change your mind and walk with me in creating something together or leading this organization together, like you said, how would you answer those two questions? What was the behavior that draw your conclusion that they need to work on the humble piece and what could they have done differently to inspire you to want to participate with them more than apart from them? Wow. Just lobbing up the, um, the softballs today, Fitzy. Thanks. I yeah, appreciate that. And here's why, while you're, I'll give you another second to process. I needed someone to say those things to me because I wasn't being arrogant out of a desire to be arrogant I was doing a role that I felt I was trained to play and in the process was missing extraordinary opportunities until someone wised me up it could be the greatest gift you give to our listeners today is to answer that question as corely as possible mm. so I don't know how to tell you how to be humble but I I think you can go sit in your next meeting and if you talk more than anybody else in it, that should be a flag. If you have an answer to every problem that is put on the table, that is a red flag. If you are the advice monster, the save a monster, uh, or any of the uh, 
I, I need to solve this problem, that might be a flag. Um, when you come and are, your team is bringing the solutions, then perhaps you're more humble um, and you have a different leadership style. So uh, only you can answer that. Uh, if you had asking yourself, am I humble? Uh, ask your spouse and your two closest direct reports hmm. and then listen. I find it very interesting that here's a guy who runs a company, part owner of a company that's a mastermind group saying, don't be the mastermind. The new leadership mode, I would say it's generational. We used to be the um, command and direct, hmm. and there are still some leadership principles that believe that's the best way. Right, command. I'm, here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to get there, and I'm going to tell you. And that no longer works in this uh, knowledge work world. That no longer works just with the next generations that come up. So this coach approach, question based, um, team formation versus uh, one bright shiny object at the top. Um, that's a thing. It's a real thing, and it fits the DNA of everything that we've talked about in previous episodes. Dan, we got to wrap this up, but I just want to tell you, uh, one, thanks for being on the podcast. Some of the things that you said were absolutely invaluable. I think we actually got better out of you than I expected, not because I expect less of you, but I, I just didn't have these questions. <laughs> high praise ready. indeed, Phipps. High praise indeed. <laughs> indeed. But just thanks for the, the person that you are. The, uh, the way that you've influenced my life and therefore the, the uh, efficacy of Disciples Made as a business, just uh, she is more stable because of your influence and your uh, investment into her. And uh, thanks also for what's coming ahead. I'm really excited about uh, what comes out of weird when people just kind of go, I don't get all the weird, but I don't want to miss out on the weird. <laughs> <laughs> Am I reading the future right? The tea leaves right? Or what could be? Let's get weird together, Phipps. Let's do it. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you. Man.